Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you really glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. What a, a treat and a joy it is to be here in Spokane, Washington. Uh, this is my first trip uh, to this city. And uh, what, a, what a pleasure it has been to be able to spend these past few days uh, with you, worshiping the Lord. And, and haven't we had a wonderful time around here this week? God has been so good. He has been so great. And uh, Sister Townley have just enjoyed ourselves tremendously. And so I want to say a, a great big thank you to Pastor Mayo for the privilege and the honor to be here. And uh, we, we don't take it lightly, the invitation. And uh, it would be great just to be able to spend time with this local assembly. But he enabled us to come at a time in which we get to take in the conference. And uh, uh, we have been enriched by the services that we had during summit conference and um, every message spoke to me do you feel that way every message every message and um, we just are grateful for what God has done in our lives I told Pastor Mayo yesterday I said I believe that this uh, coming to Spokane was an Elizabeth connection for me And I still feel that anointing, the glory and the power and the fire of God. Amen. Aren't you glad for the anointing of the Lord that destroys the yoke? Praise God. So I, I give great honor today to your pastor. I count it an extreme privilege to be able to stand in this pulpit. And um, I want to say that... Our church in Jennings has been greatly blessed by your pastor and his wife. They were with us in the month of uh, January. And uh, my, how the Lord used them. He preached in our men's conference and stayed over and preached in our Sunday service. And uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful time in the Lord. As a matter of fact, I've been passing his book around in our community. Uh, One lady in particular... When I started teaching her a Bible study, now remember, I'm from the South, so you would think everybody knows about God and the Bible. But when I started teaching her and her son a Bible study, they did not even know there was an Old Testament, New Testament in the Bible. I passed, I passed her your book, and it has so impacted her. She told me, she said, at one point in my life, I, I just I knew I would never be baptized any other way than the way I was baptized as a child. But now she said, I think about it every day, every day. I'm believing it to happen in Jesus' name. I've got a Bible study with her this Tuesday evening again when I get back home. So I'm looking forward to seeing her baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so we appreciate the influence that your pastor and his wife has become for Sister Townley and I. And I want to say it's great to have my wife with me uh, here this, this afternoon, but also in this conference. And 
She is a wonderful lady, wonderful wife, wonderful mother, and she just is a great blessing in our local assembly, and she bears the burden and the work of God with me, and I appreciate it so very much. Um, I'd like for you to stand with me. Let's turn to the word of the Lord. I'd like to read a text from the book of Ephesians. I want to say that um, I also, since coming here, have gained great respect for this local assembly. I give double honor to your pastor and his wife and the Mayo family. But I want to say that I've gained respect for this local assembly. You have represented the work of God in Spokane, Washington so beautifully. Thank you for everything you have done this week. God richly bless you. God richly bless you. Praise God. Well, I feel the anointing of the Lord here today. I have some things I want to share with you that I feel like the Lord has put in my heart, put into my mind. And there's been so much, I know I could really make some people afraid when I say what I'm about to say. But hopefully you'll be able to trust me after this day's over (laughs) to know that I don't intend to preach for a long time. But there are, there are quite a few things that has been rolling over in my mind that I could say to this congregation today. And uh, I'm not sure what all will be put into this message and what all will be left out. But I am confident that the Lord has a word that he wants to communicate to this congregation You know, I kind of felt a little bit of pressure after Friday night service. What do you do after that? You just go to the bottom and start all over again. <laughs> Create another wave. <laughs> Praise God. But you know, I'm very comforted by the fact that God has more than we can handle. You might wonder sometimes, what else could God do and how can it get any better than this? But I'm telling you, God's got more than we can handle. I'm telling you, in just a moment's moving of God's Spirit, He can have us all on the floor today. He can still give us revelation today. He can give us instruction. He can give us greater understanding. How many believes the Lord is going to impart to your heart, to your mind, and to your spirit? Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands and pray a prayer? Say, speak to me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. 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 Ephesians chapter 1 is where we will read from this morning, and I would like for us to read two verses of Scripture as our text. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a book that is written to saints. And the saints of Ephesus in particular. This is a very spiritual book. We may reference a few scriptures here as a part of our foundation, enlightenment, and way in which we can gain some greater understanding this morning. This book talks about spiritual warfare and putting on the whole armor of God. It talks about how that God has blessed us to sit together in heavenly places. He's given us spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That means God is talking about us in the spirit world. There's things being said about us and concerning us. God is blessing us in heavenly places. And so this morning, I believe the Lord wants to talk to us about saints and the supernatural. Saints and the supernatural. Join with someone near you right now. Let's pray together in the name of Jesus. God, we love you. God, we glorify you. We magnify you. We exalt you. You're awesome. You're good. We thank you right now for your anointing. We appreciate the touch of your presence. I'm grateful, God, for what you have put in my heart. I thank you for what you're doing in this church family. I believe you to work the fullness of your will in every heart, in every life. Impart, God, your word and do your work in this assembly. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, was the first and greatest metropolis of Asia. It was a city of great and powerful influence in its time. It was known for having in it the temple of Diana. And the theater of Ephesus was one of the largest of its time. 50,000 spectators could gather there under the open sky. Many Jews took up residence in the city of Ephesus. And with the process of time in this city, we all know that have studied the Bible very much. The seeds of the gospel was sown shortly after Pentecost. And God established a very powerful and vital work. The beginning of the church of Ephesus 
the sustaining of the church of Ephesus was a miraculous and powerful work of God. When the Apostle Paul wrote in other books of the New Testament, he talked about how that when he began the church in Ephesus, he fought with the beasts of Ephesus. It was, it was a time of great spiritual warfare. But it didn't matter how much opposition came against him. How many demons wanted to hold that city captive? There was nothing that could stop the power of the influence of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God was with him and God was for him. And God had chosen the city of Ephesus to plant a church. But not just to plant a church, but for that church to become a church of influence. The beginning work of the work of God in Asia. When the Apostle Paul was on his second missionary journey, he visited Ephesus and they preached the gospel there. He did not stay very long, just two or three months. But when he came back on his third missionary journey to Ephesus, he stayed there for two or three years and he preached the gospel and there, God planted and established the church of Ephesus. And from the church of Ephesus, the Bible lets us know that the gospel began to be spread to the whole region round about Asia. Now, when the inhabitants of Ephesus heard the apostle Paul preach the gospel, they had no idea of their spiritual significance to the greater work of God. They just knew they were lost and needed salvation and listened with an attentive ear to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But little did they know they would have a significant part to the gospel reaching the whole area of Asia. As a matter of fact, earlier in the Apostle Paul's ministry, he desired to go to Asia, but the Lord forbid him, saying it's not time, this is not the right moment. But as he continued the ministry and the work in which God would lead him to, and one of them being building and establishing a church in Ephesus, it was from this city that God put the gospel all over the known continent of Asia at that time. Notice this, the Bible tells us that Paul came to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. When he arrived at Ephesus, he found certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, What then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. And then he reminded them of the words of John the Baptist. Paul said, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, and that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. 
Let me just take a moment here to tell anyone in this building, if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is the greatest gift of God given to mankind. And I want you to know that God desires to pour out His Spirit upon you. He wants to live within you. If you want to change the life, if you want to be transformed, if you would love to become a new creature, if you'd like to put all things behind you of your past and look forward to a hope and glorious future, I'm here to remind you today that through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you can experience this life change. I know you believe, but have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? What I want you to notice is that when these people in Ephesus heard, they was like, I've never heard of the Holy Ghost. I've never heard of being filled with God's Spirit. I've never heard of speaking with tongues. I've never heard of yielding ourselves to the power of God to the point that He begins to speak through us. Some folks would say, how in the world can that be of God? That sounds so strange. I don't find it strange that the Lord chose uh, the initial evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost to be speaking with tongues. Because the Bible teaches us that the most unruly member of our body is the Holy Ghost. Uh, The hardest thing for us to control is our tongue. It's easier to control our hands than our tongue. It's easier to submit our hands than it is our tongue. But when you can take that most unruly member and say, Okay, God, I'm yours. I submit. I yield. I give myself totally to you. The sign that God has taken total control of your life is He begins to speak through you in a language you've never spoken before. And I'm telling you, that experience, it'll take the desire for drugs out of your life. That experience uh, will break uh, the addiction to alcohol. It'll give you peace of mind. It'll give you joy in your spirit. You'll find a reason to live. But what I want you to notice is that when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Bible speaks plainly here that it was more than just them speaking with tongues. They received the Holy Ghost and they prophesied. I mean with the first breath of God. They begin to speak with tongues. And when they begin to speak with tongues, the next word they begin to say in their native tongue was speaking foretelling, prophesying of what God was going to do in their midst, in their generation, in their families, in their city, in their surrounding area. I'm just here to bring us back to faith and understanding and revelation of the supernatural work of God through the lives of the saints. 
I thank God for anointed ministry. I thank God for a pastor that seeks the mind of God and gets a word from God. But I thank God in heaven for saints that know how to operate in the Holy Ghost. To connect and unite with the man of God. To pray and get a word from God even themselves. I don't even know if Ephesus understood all of the prophecies that they were given. But when they received the Holy Ghost, the spirit of prophecy came on them. And they began to speak things in the spirit. I know some of you have probably read the book that has been transcribed from the teachings of a powerful evangelist and pastor of the past, Verbal Being. You've read the books about... Uh, the works of the Holy Ghost and prayer and he taught those lessons to preachers but if you, if you read that book and you listen to the teaching and the instruction one thing comes out loud and clear yeah the preacher's got to pray he's got to seek the mind of God he's got to be anointed he's got to get the word from God But also coming out loud and clear in those teachings is that there has got to be a people. The saints. It's not just the work that's done through the ministry. But but it is the work that goes into the saints. The ministry and the saints become one as laborers in the gospel. It's not saints saying, well, pray, preacher. I need you to pray. Preacher, I hope you're anointed when you get in the pulpit tonight. I, I, I hope the preacher's fight up. No, no, no. There's got to be a congregation that says, I need a visit to the prayer room before church starts. I've had a busy day, a busy week. Hell's been fighting against me. I need the mind of God just like my pastor needs the mind of God when I walk in that assembly. I'm telling you, you can know the theme of the service before you ever step in this sanctuary. How many times, brothers and sisters, have you come to church and the pastor steps in the pulpit and he begins to preach? And all of a sudden, while he's preaching and revealing the mind of God, you're like, I just talked about that this morning. I just prayed about that in the prayer room. I'm telling you, God's got glory for Spokane, Washington and Cornerstone. That's beyond your ability to imagine. And all it takes is everybody getting in the spirit. Everybody say, with the first breath. I mean, it's like when that church of Ephesus took its first breath. In the Holy Ghost, God said, it's a body now. It's born. Work, work, prophesy, speak. Reach your area. Reach Asia. Spread the gospel. And the Bible said, to, and this they... They continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. 
I'm telling you, when God birthed that church, it took its breath. Spiritual things began to happen. They began to prophesy. No wonder the beasts of Ephesus were fighting so hard to hold them back and keep them captive. Even the people that lived in Ephesus had no idea how significant the church that God was planning in that city would be. Because from there, in two years, the gospel had went all over Asia. Because it's more than a preacher. There's saints that are born. And they just learn how to let the Holy Ghost work. They'll lay on the floor and stomp and roll. They'll pray and groan in the spirit and intercede. They'll speak with tongues and prophesy. They're not afraid to go anywhere, any place, any area and proclaim the gospel. They're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Can you hang with me a little more? Listen. You'll find the word saints in the book of Ephesians nine times. Six chapters, you'll find the word saints nine times. The second place, we read the first one in our text. The second place, the apostle Paul reveals his prayer request. He says, ever since... I've heard and seen what God is doing in your life. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love unto all saints. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. If you ever wonder what the preacher's praying, the preacher's revealing his prayers to God. He said, I'm praying for you, Ephesus. The great apostle saying, I'm praying that God will give you the spirit of wisdom, saints. I'm praying that God will give you revelation in the knowledge of him. That you would get your own personal revelation of Jesus Christ. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I'm wanting God to let the sun shine on you. And the rays of the gospel to shine brightly upon you. That ye may know. What is the hope of his calling? He said, I'm praying that you might understand completely what God has intended in the fact that he's invited you to be a part of his kingdom. In the fact that heaven has invited you to be a part of his household. Now that God has called you, I want you to get revelation of the potential that lies within that divine invitation. I want you to know what is in the hope of the calling. The fact that God has called you into this church. Into this kingdom. For no man can come unto the Father except the Spirit draw him. And now that God has called you, I want God to help you to understand what he is expecting out of him inviting you. Now listen, we could, we, I'm, I'm going to come back to this, but 
But another passage of Scripture uh, in Ephesians 2 and 19, the Apostle Paul says that, that we are no more strangers and foreigners, but what? Our fellow citizens of, with the saints of the household of God. We're no more strangers and foreigners, but are now fellow citizens with what? Man, you have joined an amazing a company of people. When you were blood washed and when you were spirit filled, you didn't just join Cornerstone Church. God welcomed you into his family. I mean, you're in the household with Paul. You're of the family of Abraham. And so we're no longer strangers, but we're fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. We all now have the same daddy and same mama. We live in the same house. I'm glad I'm in the house of God. How about you? All right. So now, now that, that we're in the body, we're in the church, we're in the house of God, the apostle Paul says, now as the preacher, I'm praying, saying, Lord, help these people understand really what is possible in their lives and through their lives. Now that you brought them into this house, into this kingdom. He said, I'm praying that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I'm, I'm praying that you understand the potential that lies within the fact that God called you into this kingdom and that he had destiny and purpose for you. And secondly, now that you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm praying that God will help you understand what he's invested in you. What God has imparted into you. The power and the glory, the potential that now lies in you through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying today that God will give us all a fresh revelation of what God has invested. It's an investment of glory. I know we don't feel like we're anybody special, but I'm telling you, God has made a special investment inside everyone that has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there is unlimited power and unlimited potential in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's no limits to what you can do. There's no limits to what you can be. There's no limits to what you can become. There's no limits to what you can experience. You can pray and souls will be saved. You can lay hands on the sick and they can be healed. You can lay hands on those that are blind and they can receive their sight. Paul said, I'm praying that the church, the saints, would get a revelation of what God has invested in them. Hey, just think about the changes that God has already made in your life through the power of the Holy Ghost. If He took the drugs out of your life, don't you think... Don't you think he can help you with the depression you're battling now? And, and listen, if God, if God, when you were a sinner, made such a change and transformation in your life as you prayed and asked him, 
now that you're saved, full of the Holy Ghost, and in the church, and you want to do a work for God, and you want to impact your world, and you want to see your family say, how much more should you believe that that is possible now that you are a child of the King? I'm going to move on a little bit because I got I to I go. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, he reveals his prayer requests in an even greater way. This is familiar scriptures, I know. Ephesians 3 and verse 18. He says, I'm praying that you may be able to comprehend with all saints, to seize, to possess, to grasp fully. I'm praying that you may be able to comprehend with all saints. You can see what everybody else is seeing. What is the breadth, length, depth, and height? And to know the love of Christ with passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Just how far will God's love go? That's the long-suffering nature of God. How far would God reach to save a soul? That's the breath. Hallelujah. Amen. How, how deep is God's love? You think about how far he's already come down. He came down from heaven above. Took on the robe of flesh. You think about how long God will love. His love is everlasting. The height of God's love. You, you, you think God can bring us to joy unspeakable and full of glory. He said, I'm praying that, that you can comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of God. To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. To know the unknowable. That ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now let's go to a familiar scripture. Now unto him which is able. To do exceeding. Abundantly. Above that which we can even ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. And I know oftentimes that that is preached. And it's preached in a way that says, come on, you need to get the Holy Ghost moving in you. Come on, you need to get the Holy Ghost stirring in you. But you've got it today. You have it. It's here. It's moving. It's working. We just got to let it work. We just got to yield to it. We got, we got to give over to the Spirit of the Lord and just let Him work the fullness of His will. You got to realize today that it doesn't matter what your greatest desire is. Come and express it to God and God will answer and meet that need. And then in return, God says, I can do better than that. I can do more than that. Whatever your greatest desire is doesn't even match what I want to do. He can do exceeding abundantly above that which we can even ask or think. So the saints ought to be coming to God saying, God, you can reach my daddy. God, you can reach my mother. God, you can use me as a soul winner. God, you can pray an effective prayer of intercession through me. I know that's familiar stuff. I'm not telling you something you don't know today, but, but just let me tell you a little story or two that help bring it a little further maybe than you've ever seen it. Anybody ever heard of Arnold Palmer? 
just passed away a while back called the king of golf. He was invited by a a Middle Eastern prince. He was invited by a Middle Eastern prince to come help him improve his golf game. The prince invited him over, said, listen, I I need to do better at golf. I want to do better at golf. Will Will you just come spend two or three days with me? So Palmer got in the plane, flew to the Middle East and He met the prince, a future king. Wouldn't that be awesome? Meet someone like that. And have you heard this? It's going to be good. I don't either. (laughs) I think I've prayed three times in my life. I ain't got time for it. Looks like it'd be fun though, doesn't it? But anyway. So Arnold got there and he spent some time with the prince, took his time, talked patiently with the prince. One day, two days. By the time they got to the end of the sessions, the prince was like, man, this is awesome. You've really stepped me up. I'm better. You've really done your job. You're You're incredible. He said, I, I'm thankful, I'm grateful. And he said, I want, I want to do something for you. I know you're fixing to leave, and, and it was awesome, it was great. You did just what I wanted you to do. Uh, I, I want to do something very special for you. I'm a prince, I'm a, I'm a future king, but I, I want to do something special. And he was like, Arnold, what would you like? What could I do for you? Just tell me. What do you do when a king gives you a blank check? What do you do? He didn't get a literal check. He just looked at him and said, "What? I want to do something for you. Tell me something I can do. So Arnold's like, do I ask him for something big and sound greedy? Or do I ask him for something small and insult him? What do you ask for? So he said, you know, I I thought, I came here to improve his golf game. Why don't I just ask for something practical? And so he he asked, he said, why don't you just buy me a, a single golf club? Why don't you buy me a golf club? He said, okay. Well, Arnold went to get all of his bags and to leave, and when he, he left, he still hadn't got anything. He hadn't received anything from the prince. And he was like, what? Did I insult him? <laughs> I don't know. He got home, still no gift. He was like, a day, a week, two weeks later, he still hadn't heard anything from the prince. So he's like, was there a problem with what I asked? One day he received a letter in the mail. When he got that letter in the mail, he opened it up. It was a few pages. He opened the letter up, and it was from the king. He said, thank you for coming and spending time with me and putting your heart into helping me improve my golf game. He said, and I I really apologize that it's taken me so long to get you your gift. But I really couldn't find what I wanted. 
But I finally found it, and I've purchased it. And please find in this letter a deed for an 18-hole golf club. I'm just trying to tell you, you ask God for the best thing you can ask for. And he'll answer it on his level. His thoughts are so far above our thoughts. His ways are so far above our ways. He can do exceeding abundantly. Above that, we can even ask our thing. You just ask the biggest thing you can. And God said, I can do better than that. I can interpret it on a God level and show you glory that you can't imagine. Think about it. Think about it. There's a man. He's asking for money. Peter and James. He's he's asking for money. But what does he get? He gets a miracle. I'm telling you, God can exceed your expectations. The Bible said he looked at Peter and John expecting to receive. He expected money to fall in his whatever. But he got a miracle. Zacchaeus climbed the tree. He just wanted to see Jesus. But Jesus went home with him that day. I'm just trying to tell you, God can take your request, process it, and answer it on a level that's a king level, a God level. I'm just trying to help this church get a greater revelation and appreciation for what's working in you and the God that you're serving. I had a pastor friend he, he got a burden in his heart. He's like, I want to pay off my, my church mortgage. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead in an effort to get this church paid off early. So he met with the church. They came up with a plan. And, and he began to uh, initiate a plan. And as they were in one to two months of, of, of this early payoff, he got a phone call into the church. The secretary received the call. The call said, I would like to know what the mortgage is of your church. The secretary was like, "Uh, I'm sorry, you may need to talk to the pastor. I can't just give out this kind of information. So they forwarded the call to the pastor. The pastor had a conversation. He said, really, I'd like to know what the payoff is. He said, it's 800 and such and such thousand dollars. He said, okay, I'm paying it off. It's done. A man from another state, not even a member of that church, called into that church. I'm just trying to tell you, you can start something on one level. And God said, all right, I can do better than that. I just wonder what can happen in this place if every soul would just turn loose and let the desires that's in your heart Begin to go forth, act upon it, re- respond to it, yield to the what God is desiring to do in your soul. All right. This is why I'm telling you, it's just, this message is bigger than me today. 
but I think you're getting it already. Let's pray together for a moment. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I praise your name. I worship you. You're great. You're mighty. You're good. You're good. You're good. All right, part two. I'm going to tell you a story. I promise I'm not going to preach all day, okay? And I tell people if I preach an hour, it's going to be so good we're not going to care. The Bible says that Israel had been in a famine for three years. They had been in a famine because of their sins, because of the evil and the iniquity of the king and the queen. The people's rebellion, Ahab and Jezebel's rebellion. But after three years, the Lord told Elijah, he said, I want you to go show yourself to Ahab, and I'm going to send the rain. It's revival time. And so, Elijah starts going to Ahab. As he goes to Ahab, come on, brother, help me out here, all right? You're going to be Elijah, all right? And I'm going to be Obadiah, all right? So, Elijah starts going, all right, we're not together right now, all right? <clears throat> Elijah starts going to find Ahab, all right? Don't walk very fast, just kind of, yeah, stay over there. Now, Come here, brother. You be Ahab, all right? Always desire to be Ahab, right? Good. Right here. All right. Ahab was king. Obadiah was the governor of his house. Obadiah was the governor of Ahab's house. And they had been in famine for three years. Not much food to eat. Not much water. Grass is dying all over the place. And as a matter of fact, Ahab looks at Obadiah and says, you ready? We need to find some grass for the horses and mules. We need to find some grass for the horses and mules. So we can save them. So we can save them. I mean, it's bad, all right? It's really bad in Israel. And so he says, all right, Obadiah, you go your way and I'll go my way. All right? Let's split ways. All right, so you go that way and you can go to your church. Thank you. All right, so Ahab goes that way, Obadiah goes this way. While Obadiah's going this way, oh no, he recognizes someone. And he falls on his face. And he says, is this my Lord Elijah? And Elijah said, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> kind of like that. I, I ain't exactly the words of the KJV, but it's... <laughs> and, and he... He says, oh, my Lord, Elijah. Elijah looks at him and said, go tell, you don't have to say this, all right? Go tell Ahab I'm coming to see him today. Obadiah hears him say it, and he's like, uh, I don't know. I fear God, all right? As a matter of fact, if you want to go back to verse 3, the Bible said that Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. He feared the Lord vehemently. I mean, he had a, an amazing 
reverence for God. So, well, he's, he's got a bad, wicked king. It's his boss. And he's the governor of that wicked king's house. But he is a man that really fears the Lord. He fears God more than he fears the king. And he fears God more than he fears the queen. And she was pretty bad. Because she started killing all of God's prophets. And as she started killing all of God's prophets, the Bible said that Obadiah, the governor of Ahab's house, took, all, took 100 prophets and hid them in caves. And while the king was on her rampage to kill all of the prophets of God, Obadiah had them secretly hidden and was feeding them and sustaining them. He's courageous. As a matter of fact, he said, now listen, Elijah, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm struggling with, all right? I fell, I fell on my face, all right, when I saw you and just thought it was you. And now that it's you and you're telling me that today you're going to go see the king, but you're not walking with me. And what you don't know is that Ahab has been going to every nation looking for you. He's been so mad at you because the heavens are shut up. And he thinks you're the one troubling Israel. And now you're going to send me back to Ahab all by myself. And you're not going to walk with me. And I'm going to tell him that I saw Ahab, but I didn't kill you. I mean, Elijah, and I didn't kill you. And I'm over here telling Ahab, I saw the prophet, the man you've been going all over the world looking for. I mean, Ahab hadn't just went all over the world looking for Elijah. The Bible said that he had been making everyone that went looking for him. When they came back saying, we haven't saw him or found him, they literally had to sign a decree and an oath vowing that they hadn't found Elijah. So this is a big deal is what I'm trying to tell you. And Obadiah's like, if I take off and leave you, and I get to Ahab, and I say, Ahab, I saw Elijah. He's going to say, what? And you didn't bind him up, and you didn't take his life, and you didn't bring him here. He just cut my head off. He said, and who knows? You're God's man. You're God's prophet. I know you are telling me that you're going to go see the king today. But that may be your intentions, but God may have other plans for you as the preacher. God may just pick you up and take you to some place. I don't know where you are. It's like, I, I promise, I've served the Lord from my youth. Read it. He said, I've served the Lord from my youth. So I'm not just resisting or doubting. I just understand some things about the supernatural. And, and I, I respect you as a man of God. But I want you to just, please. I've been fearing God since I was a boy. I hid those prophets, okay? I'm not playing games, but sorry. Spit on me. Uh, 
I'm just struggling with this supernatural thing. Because God's God and I don't have no control over him. And I don't know when I walk away if God's going, whoosh. Because it can happen in a moment. And you know what? What was so good is that Elijah understood the man's struggle. That the resistance that and the hesitation that Obadiah had wasn't out of rebellion. It was the result of divine revelation. And he understood the dynamics of everything where he was and all that was going on. He was not just a newbie in church, if you please. He was a saint. He had some understanding. He had revelation. As a matter of fact, I mean, how many times in the Bible have you read where God just takes somebody away? It hadn't happened very much at that time. We know of Enoch that walked with God and the Lord, what? Took him. You still with me? I'm almost there. The resistance that he had was not out of rebellion, not wanting to obey the man of God. It was like, hey, if I'm going to put my life on the line with the king, I just really got to know. And so Elijah's like, okay, I understand. I'm telling you, Obadiah, today I will show myself to Ahab. So you just go tell him. And he got a sure word. And he's like, okay, that's all I need to know is you're not going anywhere. I'll go tell. I'll stick my neck out. What I'm trying to tell you, saints, people that's been around, they've got some experience. You can't just fool them. They're not easily deceived. They've seen enough snowflakes. They can spot a false prophet a mile away. And when anything gets questionable, they start looking at that pastor. What's pastor doing? What's pastor doing? I'm talking today about saints and the supernatural, and I'm really getting where we need to go. Thank God for people that understand that anything is possible with God at any moment. Anything. As a matter of fact... They understand that with God's man. They understand just like Nathan and David may be sitting together having a chat. That's the king and a prophet. David's, ta David's talking to Nathan. He said, man, I'd like to build God a house. And what happens? Nathan looks and says, hey, do it, man. Go for it. But Nathan goes home that night. And the Lord speaks to the prophet and says, nope. David can't build that house. I'm telling you, there's sometimes a pastor and a preacher speaks like a man with best intentions. Not lying. You understand? I'm talking today about saints and the supernaturals. Saints that have been around understands what I'm fixing to touch right now. Sometimes, sometimes the man of God will say, go for it, David. And then all of a sudden, when he gets in the presence of God, the Holy Ghost will say, nope, that's not right. It ain't the will of God for David to build that house. I want a house built, but go back and tell him Solomon needs to build that house. Thank God for saints that will realize the preacher's God's man. And there's times that he will give the best counsel he can as a man. 
but we always got to listen for the voice of God. And when God says it, it's so. And that's all Obadiah needed to know. I know you're intending to show yourself to Ahab, but God may have other plans. I just need a sure word from you, Pastor. And notice this. I'm going to go ahead and touch it and move on. But remember what Elijah's end was? Elijah's end was that he was caught away in a chariot. We didn't know that that was the end of Elijah. But it was almost like Obadiah spoke in a prophetical sense. He was like, I don't know if God's just going to catch you away. What I'm trying to tell you, it's absolutely amazing what saints can come to know and understand and pick up just because you're full of the Holy Ghost and in the Spirit. I'm not, I'm not trying to get saints to take the place of a preacher. God will never do that. But I'm telling you, the church will be furthered and the church will be prospering in a greater way if we can get the saints to know who they are and feel their role like never before. I remember, I remember one time. We buried an old sister. She was in her 90s. She, she passed away at 95. As a matter of fact, she told me. She said, I went to visit her in the convalescent home. She said, I, I'm fixing to have my 95th birthday. And she said, I believe that when I have my birthday, God is telling me it's done. Wow. You're going to have your birthday and you're going home. Wow. I, walked in, I walked into her room one time. And I pulled up a seat beside her. She was laying on the bed. I said, how you doing, Sister Seaman? She looked at me and she told me. She said, how you doing? She said, how's your boy? I said, he's doing good. She looked at me and she said, that's a special boy. That's a good boy. You better take care of him. And I'm going to tell you, Pastor, when she said that, that was not the feeble voice of a 95-year-old lady. I'm telling you, the boom of what she was saying hit my soul. I heard the voice of God. God was speaking to me, and I've never looked at my boy the same way from that moment forward. Now, I'm not trying to get a crazy spirit where you're prophesying to your pastor. All right? I'm not trying... But I'm going to tell you, you just be what God wants you to be and it'll amaze you what kind of blessing you can be to your man of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, while I'm on the preacher theme, and this is one thing I feel like God wants me to impart to this congregation about saints and the supernatural. When you get in the spirit, everybody say, when I get in the spirit. When you get in the spirit, you need to never doubt the influence it has on this man right here. The liberty, the freedom, the power, the anointing to further the work of God. It's amazing. 
I remember as an evangelist when I, when I would seek the face of God in revival services. As I was seeking the face of God praying. There'd be days I couldn't break through like I wanted to. I couldn't secure the mind of God. I didn't know exactly what God wanted to say in that evening service. I would pray. Pray in the morning. Pray in the afternoon. I'd spend hours at the church. I just never could break through nor secure the mind of God. I'd be sitting in the office or sitting in some Sunday school room, wherever they had me at that church at that time. And all it took was one of the faithful saints to show up in the prayer room. And all of a sudden, when I began to hear that voice, I didn't have to know who it was. All I did begin to hear somebody pray. And as they began to pray, the spirit world started opening up. And the Holy Ghost began to touch me. And I began to receive the mind of God. Hear the voice of the Lord. I'm talking about saints and the supernatural. You don't know the power and the influence you have. God will call you to early prayer at church one night. You don't know why you need to be there. You just know, I need to go pray. I need to go pray. I need to go pray. You don't know what God's going to do to the preacher that night. You don't know how much help it's going to be to the service that night. This is the way I do it in our... And listen, I'm almost through, but I just got to preach this out today. I encourage our people, when you're going on a lengthy fast, would you at least come tell me as a pastor? It's not a Bible doctrine. I just say, listen, would you please let me know? If you're going to go on a lengthy fast, I know you don't want to brag about it. I know you don't want to be proud. You don't want to just let everybody know what you're doing. The Bible teaches us to do it in private. But would you please let me know if you're going on a lengthy fast because I'm going to be watching and I'm going to be praying for you. But I'm going to tell you, I've got people in our church. All they have to do is start a fast. And I begin to feel it as a pastor. I got one sister, she serves the Lord with prayer and fasting. She'll come up to me, she'll say... I just want you to know, Pastor, I'm fixing to start a fast. She said, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I just feel like God's telling me to go. And I'm telling you, still to this day, she's in her, well, she's in her 70s now. She'll go on a 21-day fast. She'll go on a 30-day fast. She'll just say, I just feel like God's saying it's time to go. And I'm telling you, when she starts fasting, I begin to feel an anointing of God come on me as a preacher. Things begin to release in the spirit for our assembly. I'm just telling you, there is no limit to what can happen when it's not just a preacher, but when the saints. They get an understanding and of a revelation of that they have an influence on the spirit world and the progress of the church and victory that God wills. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Seaman. Again, this happened when she was about 90 years old. She had a neighbor that came over to her house. She was still living at home at this age. All by herself. We finally talked her into not driving. For her own sake and everybody else's sake. But her neighbor came over and said, listen, I got a son. I got a son that's in trouble. He's going crazy. He's wild. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to do. She's pouring out her soul, grieving mother. Doesn't even know the truth. She's just talking to this elder saint. And this is not like Sister Seaman. But Sister Seaman, she sat close to her. And she reached over. She got a hold of that lady. She said, I'm going to pray for you. And she started praying 
and calling on the name of the Lord. And after she prayed in the spirit for a little bit, she stopped and she said, I want you to hear me. She said, this right here is going to happen to your son. This detail, this detail, this detail. Your son's coming back and he's going to be all right. And it happened. How do I know that story? Because at the wake, when we were burying Sister Seaman, that mother came up to us and said, I just got a story to tell you. I didn't know what to think about what happened. But I'm telling you, that lady got a hold of me, started praying and talking in tongues, and the Spirit of God spoke to me, and it happened just like she said it. Oh, God, let us trust the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the works of the Holy Ghost as God moves in our lives. Let's stand and worship the Lord together. Let's stand and worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. 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 Paul's saying, oh, I'm praying. I'm praying that revelation will come. I'm praying that understanding will come. I remember. I remember preaching revival it was in actually in Idaho as I was preaching during the revival the pastor became sick started missing services started missing services I felt the pressure and the intensity going on with revival without the pastor I mean every night it was like I could feel my Inside, just getting tighter, 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 intense. The spiritual battle and the war that was going on. The pastor's laying home sick. One night, early before church, I began to hear travail in the sanctuary. There was a man, it was a voice of a man, began to pray. And it began to travail. I began to hear groanings. I'm not even going to try to mimic it. It's so sacred. But he's groaning and travailing. No words coming out of his mouth. Just groans and travail and travail. That hadn't happened that whole revival. This is the first time it happened in that revival. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know what it was about. Service started. The pastor still wasn't there. But in the middle of the service, I saw the pastor walk in the back door. Walk down the side of the aisle. Come up on the platform. I'm feeling better. After service, that good saint, he said, I just wanted to see my pastor back in church. I just wanted God to heal my pastor. I wanted God to move for my man of God. And he just went to prayer, yielding to the burden that was in his soul, interceding that God would give release to the anointed man to lead the church forward. And as he did, he began to pray and intercede and travail. And in that moment, Spiritual power and breakthrough came. God touched and healed that pastor and brought him to that church that night. I know I've kind of just went broad here today. I just wonder what all God is going to do through this congregation. Number one, 
I feel like God wants me to strengthen. And I've told you these stories because you have a great pastor. You have an anointed man of God. He's on the edge of the work of God in the Northwest. And God is moving him out even beyond that. And using him for his glory in this world. And I'm telling you, I'm giving a charge to this church in Jesus' name. Don't doubt the power of your prayer and intercession. It will lead this man of God forward. It will lead this church forward. And see the work of God furthered in this world, in this generation. Just like the saints, uh, when they prayed through at Ephesus, had no idea that they would be impacting their world. I'm telling you, what God is doing in Spokane is greater than this city. It's greater than this state. Uh, What do you say? Let's get in the spirit and just say, God, you know our potential. You know what you've called us to do. We will just yield to the Holy Ghost. We will pray. We will fast. And we will see your glory. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Come on, let's worship the Lord. If you want to be a part of the greatest thing going on in this world right now, join this church. Join this church. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And let God invest His will into your spirit.